please bow in prayer with me for the prayer of illumination. Gracious God, as we turn to your word, may your spirit rest upon us. Help us to be steadfast in our hearing, in our speaking, in our believing, and in our living. Amen. Our first scripture reading this morning is the whole Psalm 138, and you will find that in the Pew Bible if you want to follow along on page 577. I give you thanks, O Lord, with my whole heart. Before the gods I sing your praise. I bow down toward your holy temple and give thanks to your name for your steadfast love and your faithfulness. For you have exalted your name and your word above everything. On the day I called, you answered me. You increased my strength of soul. All the kings of the earth shall praise you, O Lord, for they have heard the words of your mouth. They shall sing of the ways of the Lord, for great is the glory of the Lord. For though the Lord is high, he regards the lowly, but the haughty he perceives from far away. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you preserve me against the wrath of my enemies. You stretch out your hand, your right hand delivers me. The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. Your steadfast love, O Lord, endures forever. Do not forsake the work of your hands. The word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be, to, be God. to God. Thank you, Faye. We're continuing on in our series of looking at the book of Samuel. And so today, here, our second scripture reading from Samuel chapter 8. You can find this on page 251 in the Pew Bible, and you'll notice that I'm going to read a slightly different section than what is printed here. I'm going to start with verse 1 and go through verse 9, and then we'll get the rest of the section uh, later in the, in the content here. So let's hear from the, the story of Samuel. When Samuel became old, he made his sons judges over Israel. The name of his firstborn son was Joel, and the name of his second, Abijah. They were judges in Beersheba. Yet his sons did not follow in his ways, but turned aside after gain. They took bribes and perverted justice. Then all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah and said to him, You are old, and your sons do not follow in your ways. Appoint for us then a king to govern us, like other nations. But the thing displeased Samuel when he said, or when they said, Give us a king to govern us. Samuel prayed to the Lord, and the Lord said to Samuel, Listen to the voice of the people in all that they say to you. For they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me from being king over them. Just as they have done to me, from that day I brought them up out of Egypt to this day, forsaking me and serving other gods. 
so also they are doing to you. Now, listen to their voice. Only, you shall solemnly warn them and show them the way. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing to you, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. You know something that's true? You just sometimes have to give people what they want. I mean, sometimes it means stepping back, throwing up your hands and saying, okay, have it your way. I have a bit of a stubborn streak in me. And at times, I know that people just do this with me. Let him do it the way he wants, and then we'll show him the right way. <laughs> I was mowing the lawn this week and remembering how long I've been mowing lawns. My dad taught me how to mow our front and back lawns when I was in late elementary school. So that would be a, a, around 30 years ago. I've been mowing lawns for 30 years. I mean, if anybody, uh, summer employment, if you, if you need some, uh, some lawn care help, let me know. Got a lot of experience. Anyway, early on, I remember one particular training session with my dad. The grass was pretty thick and perhaps growing at a rate that it is right now, like kind of similar to what, where we're at in this point in the spring. It was thick, and I was determined to push through and mow it down short through sheer willpower. Uh, the funny thing, though, uh, was that the lawnmower kept getting jammed up with wet clippings, and I couldn't really make progress. I'd get to the end of one row and spray more clippings all over the, the beds and the deck and everything around the lawn. Um, but I knew the right way to do it, so I kept on. <laughs> now, we didn't have a very huge yard uh, and at my home growing up, so it really should not have taken me very long to mow the lawn. But I struggled with it in the way that I wanted it to be done for a long, good while. And then my dad finally came out to give me some advice. He supposed, or I supposed that he'd given me the right-of-way for long enough and then given me the space to, to mess up and fail, but finally he decided that it was time to intervene. Now that day, my dad taught me the half-cutting technique. I see some of you nodding. Okay, good. You've been down this road too. <laughs> Instead of trying to mow the whole lawn down with a full blade of, grass, or full blade of the mower, uh, you move aside a little bit, and you do half of the, uh, half of the row, and thus decreasing the load on the mower and making it easier to cut the grass. I thought of this story early, um, or I thought of this early story while I was mowing thick grass this week, actually, using the half-cut technique that my father taught me, as well as actually raising up the mower and doing one pass and then doing another pass. I mowed my lawn twice this week um, within a matter of minutes. Um, I'm grateful for my father. Um, that, in that process, I'm grateful that he let me work through it for a while, to fail for a little bit. I needed to understand that what, was, what I was trying wasn't working in order for me to grow and see a new way. And so he let me do it my way. The point here is that there are so many times that we ask God for something, or some circumstance. We think that we know what we need and expect God to just give it to us just like that. Help me, heal me, 
change this person, give me clarity. And don't get me wrong, God wants to give good things to God's people. God loves us. Remember when Jesus teaches about how God provides what God's people need. When a child asks their father for a fish, would he give them a serpent? Jesus' answer is no, of course. God loves us and gives us what we need and desire. And sometimes we have to receive what we've been desiring for so long to also realize that it's not the end game. It's not the best thing. This is something of what was going on with the people of God wrestling with Samuel, the judge of Israel, as they longed for a king. Throughout the history of ancient Israel, there is an accumulation of longings at the, that the people of God bring to God. They longed for liberation and a homeland. They longed for power and standing in the ancient world. They longed for a king who would put their nation on par with their neighbors. They longed for a Messiah who would set things to rights. The longings are central to how people interact with God. And in this particular moment, while God has been faithful to establish the people of Israel in their promised land, the people long for a leader, a king. They have seen the inadequacies in their priestly leaders, Eli, who we heard about last week, and Samuel, and their sons, and they are ready, at least they think, for change. Remember, verse 4 says, Then the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah and said to him, You are old, and your sons do not follow in your ways. Appoint for us then a king to govern us, like other nations. Now Samuel isn't keen on this idea. He knew the potential consequences of such an act. If the people had a king, what purpose would he have in their life together? What purpose would God have? Wasn't Yahweh supposed to be king? Wasn't their devotion meant for God alone? Isn't the lawnmower powerful enough to plow through dense grass? It should be, so let's just force it. Samuel goes to God in prayer and brings this request about a king. Samuel knows something isn't right here and seeks the counsel of the Lord. And God's response is this. Listen to the voice of the people in all that they say to you. For they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me from being king over them. God says, all right, have it your way. Give the people what they want. And I can see that we would struggle in this way and that we might think that we know the better way to do it. So God is in a sense saying, go for it, try it out. Be forewarned though that this isn't going to go the way you think, but have it your way. We deal with this kind of thinking a lot these days. I'm gonna kind of use a very contemporary example of COVID-19 vaccinations. We're at a point where if you're over the age of 12, you can get a vaccine for this virus. Um, it's a scientific fact that these vaccines work to stop the spread of the virus. And the people have asked for a vaccine, and they've got it. But then we have a whole crowd of people in our world who are reluctant, at best, to get vaccinated. 
I don't want to be too on the nose about this, but it feels like the people who resist this are like the people who are asking for a king. They think that they will be better off if they get things done the way they want them done. Thank you very much. And the reality is our leaders and our communities have to yield in some ways to that sentiment, to some degree at least. The people are going to get what they want. You don't want the vaccine? Okay then. But also, here's a warning. You can still get very seriously ill from this pandemic. In the same way, okay, you want a king? Fine. But just a warning, kings turn into tyrants quickly. So know what you're getting yourself into. The passage continues on in verse 10 through 18. So Samuel reported all the words to the Lord to the people who were asking for a king. He said, these will be the ways of the king who will rule over you. He will take your sons and appoint them to his chariots and to be his horsemen and to run before his chariots. And he will appoint for himself commanders of thousands and commanders of fifties and some to plow his ground and some to reap his harvest and to make his implements of war and equipment for his chariots. He will take your daughters to be perfumers and cooks and bakers. He will take the best of your fields and vineyards and olive orchards and give them to his courtiers. He will take one-tenth of your grain and of your vineyards your, uh, and give them to his, his officers and courtiers. He will take your male and female slaves and the best of your cattle and donkeys and put them to his work. He will take one-tenth of your flocks and you shall be his slaves. And in that day you will cry out because of your king, whom you have chosen for yourselves. But the Lord will not answer you on that day. See, so what's at play here is a very important thing for us to know about God. And that is, God responds. While we often picture God as unmovable, static, unchanging, what we see revealed in this passage is God's willingness to respond to the people's requests. God relents to the people's cries. Okay, you can have a king. And just so you know, this is how it's going to go. Now, now, certainly there are many good kings in the line of Israel. David and Solomon, Josiah, Asa, Jehoshaphat, Hezekiah. Good kings who had faults, but who attempted to be faithful. But there's also a real line of stinkers in that Israel king lineage. Kings who took advantage of the people. Solomon, for instance, who was very, very wise, also accumulated immense wealth on the backs of his people. So why does God relent? Why does God respond this way? Is it because if we whine long enough, God gets tired and just gives in? I don't really think so. Is it because God wants to test the people and show them that they're wrong? You might be able to see that here, but I don't really even think that's what's going on. The tone God takes with Samuel is one of warning and concern, of relenting, but also continuing to care about what the outcome will be. Now, back to the lawn mowing story, my dad didn't step in right away because, honestly, what I was doing wasn't really going to hurt the grass or the deck or even the lawnmower itself. It just wasn't going to be very effective. 
but I had to learn that. What we hold as a belief is that God loves creation and all things that God has created and intends for their flourishing. We believe that God also desires relationship with us and desires the response of our lives with that devotional uh, praise. Perhaps we need a king to know that a king isn't going to cut it. Perhaps we need a charismatic leader just in order to see that their promises don't hold much water. Perhaps we need to be confronted with the underbelly of political corruption to finally see that the kings of the world, the rulers of the day, they may have some good intentions, but they are not Lord. They are not God. They are not the Messiah. It is in God's response to the people that they are shown an opportunity to cleave more fully to God's presence. You see, God is at work through all of this. I'm struck by the possibility that it may not really matter the means by which the people of Israel are led, or how their nation is structured, or who sits on the throne. At least, it might not matter to God very much. Kings come and go. The question is really about who do the people offer their hearts to, their devotion and fullness of being. Give it to the king, and perhaps your fealty will yield some benefit, and maybe it will outweigh the cost. The faithfulness required in Samuel's time and the faithfulness required of us is not contingent upon who sits on the throne. The faithfulness of God's people is about devotion to the Lord first and foremost. And we all struggle here for good reason. We say, give us a king who will take care of us. Give us a president who will fix it all. Give us a pastor who will hold and represent our spiritual longings. Give us a parent who can keep us safe and healthy. Give us a partner who can journey in love with us. Give us any and all of these things and we'll be set. Except we're not. Except we still long for more. Friends, today, may our prayer be different. Give us yourself, God. Give us wholeness in a way that nothing else can. Give us forgiveness and cleansing in a way that we can never do ourselves. Give us meaning connected with the great purposes of God's restoration of all things. May we get what we want. And may our wants, desires, longings all be formed unto the good way of God's heart for us. Amen.